This show, this podcast, we're going to turn it into a podcast. This show and podcast is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. See my hat? Mary Lady, see my hat? Mm-hmm. See right behind you right there? Land Bank. Mary Lady, say after me. Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank. <laughs> That's right. Mississippi Land Bank at mslandbank.com. Great folks there who support Mississippi sports. <clears throat> I assure you they have folks on both sides of the rivalry they do every year, but Great people at Mississippi Land Bank, and so I would just encourage you, anything land-related, buying land, selling land, searching for land for any purpose, farmland, hunting land, you know, the recreational stuff, all of that, go to Mississippi Land Bank. Land Bank! All right. All right. (laughs) In the studio with me right now is a very special guest, and her name is Mary Liddy Wyatt my eight-year-old daughter. Mary, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Here, step forward just a little bit where I can look at you. All right, so I'm going to show you this, Mary. We're going to talk about the night we had last night, uh, but I want to get this pulled up so I can see what everyone is saying. And so if you look right here, people are saying, uh, what a game, and they're watching the replay right now, and somebody says, Hail State. Kenny wants to know if you can say Hail State. Hell State. Yeah. She had on a Mississippi State jersey last night. All right. So before we jump into the full-on recap of this game, uh, which we certainly are going to do and want to do, but before we do that, um, for everyone here that's watching Mary Liddy, let's tell them about the experience you had. So you went to the game with me, right? What what stood out to you that we got to do yesterday? Um... I liked seeing the um, bulldog dance and do the floss to the thing. <laughs> that was kind of first thing we saw, right? Like, so we got to the press box <clears throat> first. We walked in. Uh, Ross, our engineer, was there. Neil Price was there. This was way before the game, like right after we parked. And even Richard Cross, uh, former radio partner, and now he's on the Ole Miss radio crew. He was in the press box there just talking. We saw him, so we walked in, and this was before any of the stuff kind of got started. And Mary Liddy looked down, and she said, hey, there's – or Mommy pointed it out. So there's Bully, and Bully was walking down the edge of the field. Again, this is like three and a half hours before kick, and he was dancing, right? And and what kind of dance was he doing? Um, No, it wasn't at the very beginning. He was dancing, but he was doing like this. <laughs> he was doing the uh-huh, – Yeah, but – um, there in the game, okay. music came on, and he started doing the floss. The floss. <laughs> That's cool. And I liked that um, commercial where um, the bulldogs, there were three bulldogs, and it said, like, one, two, three oh, yeah, on the, the top of them. Where you figure out who hid the football, right? Or the, the cowbell or whatever it is he has. Yeah, and also, um, what was I going to say? Well, um, and that's, in, that's on the video <laughs> board. Okay, so let me ask you about this. There's two things. One, we had the reunion for the football teams that I played on. Uh-huh. So a bunch of those guys were there that I that were my teammates. Um, and you got to meet a lot of them. And then you got to see your cousin, Mary Beckett, and play during the game, right? Uh-huh. So was that fun to get to see all those people that Daddy played football with? Uh-huh. You saw my coach, uh-huh. Coach Cheryl? Uh-huh. You got to meet him, didn't you? Have your picture taken with him. Yeah. And then we got to go out on the field in the first quarter of the game with everybody looking at us. What was that like? Mm, it was fun. And 
um, on the big screen, um, it was his face was on it, and like this much as my head was like right <laughs> at the bottom of it. Yeah, we could kind of see your your face from, a little bit from here up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, on Facebook, uh, Joanne says, Hey, Mary Liddy, you are beautiful and a natural at the mic. All right, don't touch it. It makes a noise. She said you're a natural, though, talking on the microphone. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, look at see. Anna says you're such a little cutie. Dwight says, Hello, young lady. Uh, Joy said we're raising you right since you said Hail State. And then Kyle said that's a good helper you got there, Matt. He has two beautiful girls himself. Keep up the good work, Mary Liddy. Everybody's paying you compliments. Isn't that nice? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so out on the field, what was it like to hear all those people cheering for us while we stood out there? Um, I don't know. You don't know? What did it feel like? It was fun. Yeah. Was it a little intimidating? What is intimidating? Uh, scary? Was it scary at all? No. Not at all? You weren't scared at all? Okay. Um, and then you and mommy got to come into where I work for the game, the broadcast booth. And you guys sat in there and you're having a headset on is becoming second nature to you because you wore a headset throughout the game. You got to hear what it sounds like when Mr. Neal is talking about the football game, right? Uh-huh. So did you enjoy that? Mm-hmm. Why? How, I mean, what was cool about it? Because when I took the headset off, I could hear like only the crowd and i couldn't hear anything y'all were saying and y'all were like really close to us i know and we couldn't even hear you but when i put the headset on i could barely hear any of the songs that were playing in Mm -hmm. the crowd but when the microphones picked up the loud sounds from the crowd when they made the sounds um i could hear it Mm -hmm. yeah when you when you do like this at the game you got the headset on and then you go like that, it gets really loud, doesn't it? Uh-huh. I kept on going. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's because it sounds so much different. I noticed you kind of got sleepy, too, didn't you? Uh-huh. I, I had the headphones on, and my head was down, like, <laughs> on the table. <laughs> and we should probably just go ahead and admit that you had you guys had to go with me to the post-game show uh, uh, yeah. at Bulldog Burger. Oh, yeah. And what did you do there? Uh, I played tic-tac-toe with Mama in my notebook, and Mr. Bart? Um, yeah. Or Neil? No, Mr. Mr. Bart. Bart, yeah. He let me borrow his pen, and um, I ate tater tots because they didn't have burgers that late. Yeah, that's right. They didn't have burgers. Hey, were you upset about that? Mm-hmm. I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> you did something else there, though, before we left Bulldog Burger. Fell asleep. Uh huh. <laughs> she fell asleep, zonked out, cold, and I uh, picked her up and carried her to the car, and then we started driving home. And by the time we even got, to I see didn't the, know I fell asleep. You did. You were asleep. Yeah, you were asleep when we left. Oh. Do you not remember us having to tell you on the way home to like sit up because your head was slumped over and you were going to have a crick in your neck? No, I don't. <laughs> that. Well, that happened, and when we got home. I carried you upstairs and put you in your bed. Yeah, okay. how, about that? how about that? Are you getting distracted by seeing yourself on the computer screen? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is kind of distracting, isn't it? Well, listen, it was so much fun. It really was. I really enjoyed having you there. You're going to twist up my cord on my microphone. <laughs> I really enjoyed having you at the game. It yeah, was my it was pleasure. really fun. 
It was my play, my honor because you had on a jersey with our name on the back of it. It said Wyatt Seven. That's right. And um, that press box is tiny. Yeah, it's small, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Kind of cramped. And they had little tubs of ice cream, and it said Bully Ice Cream or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, what what flavor did you eat? Vanilla. That's Vanilla. pretty much the only one I like. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. I had some. Uh, I had uh, chocolate almond, I think it was. Mm. Yeah. Well, Mary Lady, again, it was so much fun. Uh, and we got to take a lot of pictures. You got to see Mr. Paul Mooney, my old roommate, and Uncle Rob, and meet some other teammates. That was cool. Coach Jackie Sherrill said and that you I were beautiful. And I got to meet B's other cousins. Yeah, that's right. I got to meet my cousins. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And one of them is 11. Yeah. Well, and last question, and then I'll turn you loose because I have to talk about the game. Okay. Um, what did you think about the way the game ended? Um, Do you remember it? Mm-hmm. Um, an Ole Miss player got on their fours and, like, acted like, he was taking you know it. what? <laughs> he sure did and got a penalty for it. Mm-hmm. Should they have called a penalty for that? Yes, because they were making fun of the other team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it and it basically cost them a chance to win the game, didn't it? Uh-huh. And then the kicker on the Ole Miss team missed it, and it was 20-21. to 21. Yep. They lost by one. By one Just point. because that person made a stupid, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Hey, I couldn't say it any better. It was very selfish of him. That's mm-hmm. what it was. It was mean. Well, selfish. <laughs> it was silly, but it's just a game, ultimately. So, Mary Lady, it's great to talk to you. It's great Enjoyed to it. talk to you. All right, go pack your stuff up. We got a trip to make. Okay. Love you. Love you, bye. Bye. All right, there she goes, Mary Liddy. You going to give me my headset back? No. <laughs> you have to. Why? You have to go. No. <laughs> there she goes, folks. Bye. <laughs> bye. That's Mary Liddy. I hope you all enjoyed that. <clears throat> I sure did. Listen, we had such a great time, and my wife is such a great sport. She was with us the whole time. We're all decked out in maroon. And, uh, you know, of course, the game ended well for Staves. It's a dramatic ending. And so with that, we'll jump in. Again, a reminder, here the recap, live with you on Periscope, live on Facebook, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Over here on, uh, let's see, Hail Freaking State (laughs) on uh, Periscope. Hey to you. Hey to my buddy Greg, who's joining in on Facebook. Greg, I saw where I missed your call the other day, man. I'm sorry. I'll get back to you. Thanks for all the compliments on uh, Periscope. Thank you so much, Joanne. I really do think she's adorable. Uh, We we had a great time. I'll, I'll start with kind of chronological. We got to enjoy seeing some old teammates. Uh, for the 98-99 reunion. Yeah, that was just awesome. Matt, let's see. How did your coffee taste this morning? It was good. It was good. Still got a little bit left here from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Highpointroasters.com. Y'all listen to me. I mean this. It's better than most any other coffee you'll get. Dan is a great guy. A great Mississippian. 
Loves what he does. You'll enjoy meeting him. Dan, the coffee man. Do me a favor and get your coffee there. Get your, or, or get some and or have someone get you some as a gift for Christmas and try it. You'll be glad you did. And he's a local guy. You can get to know him personally. So I highly recommend it. Um, Jackie Sherrill, our coach, was there for the reunion. And he got up on the table in the M Club. This is before the game. He got up on the table. Uh, John Cohen did a little speech. And Coach Sherrill stood up in the middle of the table. Uh, thank you, Caleb. Yeah, she's got my talking skills. She's going to be much better than me at everything. Coach Sherrill gets up on the table, and he did his thing that just naturally, what he always did as a coach to get our attention, he's like, you know, whistles. And we all like, <laughs> it's like having a flashback. And he gave a little speech, and it was very, very good. He, It's like coaching again. He said, okay, here's the deal. We're going to meet at the flagpole. Ten minutes left, no later than ten minutes left in the first quarter. He goes, 15-minute quarters, that means you only got five minutes. He says, basic math for you guys back there like Matt Wyatt and others. <laughs> and then he said, um, um, he said, hey, I know that most of us, we could only go out and play five or six snaps tonight if they needed us. He goes, but I promise you this, we'd win those five or six plays. And there were a few darn rights and the crowd. And then he also said, he said, I'm so glad to see that everyone brought their kids. He said, now John's going to plug his ears right here. He said, now they may tell you, you can't take your kids on the field when they recognize us in the first quarter. He said, but I'm telling you, you take your kids on the field. He said, because that exposure to this and what this is like is invaluable. He said, some of you with sons, you expose them to this, and you never know. In a few years, you may be sitting up in the stands watching them play. He said, so you take your kids on the field. And if you notice, every single one of us that had kids with us at the game, we had our kids out there with us when we got to walk out on the goal line. And it was just a special moment to be there in the stadium with some guys that they were just such special teams. And we won a lot, but we won a lot because not because we always had the best players, but because we always – had the best leadership, and we always had them. We were tougher than most of the teams we played, and uh, we just had a little bit of something that a little bit of that it factor. I got to see JJ Johnson. I don't know if y'all saw, but JJ was there. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Ashley Cooper and others. So it was really, really cool. Cool experience all the way around. Okay, and now let's talk about the ball game. I'll take some questions from you. Um, and I'll do my best. You guys know how this goes. Sometimes you may comment, and I may be looking at one screen or the other and miss it, but I'll do my best here for a few minutes to to jump into some of those. Um, Lynn on Facebook says, I thought we played a very physical brand of football last night. Lynn, that was why State had a chance to win the game and ultimately did, is because it was their most physical game this year. It was State's most physical game. And it should be kind of a lesson or an indication to everybody involved that that is the number one thing we ought to, as coaches and players, it's the number one thing we ought to always be the most concerned about and most concentrated on going into any game is to make sure that there is no drop-off in the level of physicality. Because then if you do that, other things are going to you know, ebb and flow, and you'll have good plays, bad plays, and turnovers. But as long as that effort and physicality is there, you can 
play around that. If you're having dips in physicality and dips in effort and at times being soft, you almost you, you never know what you're going to get. And so that's a great example of that last night. State was – and I didn't think it was going to start that way. Yeah, I wonder what y'all think, but – Hey, and Neil uh, on uh, Neil Osborne on Facebook, how many face masks were missed? They missed a bunch of them, really, on both teams. They missed a bunch, but there was one particular drive. They missed two pretty obvious face masks on um, Catlin Hill. They should have called. Uh, Shelby says, better woo, me or Joel Coleman? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, woo! <laughs> and it was uh, organic. I did not plan that whatsoever. Now, here's a comment on Twitter, and I want to get into this. It says, spying Plumley was successful. And then Norman chimes in and says, Matt, wasn't it a little shocking the ability to stop Plumley? His first carry for 12 yards looked like it was a, going to be a long night. See, so, so two things. Let's, t- let's talk about uh, the Plumley deal, you know, defending him. But first, the way State flipped the game after the first series. State had the football first. They go three and out. And on those first three plays of the game, it was like, bam, bam. I mean, Ole Miss just knocking State off the ball for three straight plays, and they looked dominant on those three. And you go, oh, boy, they are much more physical. Three plays. And then the defense goes out, and what did Ole Miss do? Big run, and then pop one for eight. And and I know it ends in a fumble. Or, or whatever, whichever possession it did. And, it, and so it goes back and forth, 0-0 zero, zero there for a little bit. But the game's first five to ten plays, Ole Miss was more physical. And then when State got the turnover, they go back out, and maybe it was their third possession. But that's when all of a sudden State just flipped the game over and became the more physical team the rest of the way. And it really wasn't close at times. That's a heck of a job to – from from a leadership and a players and a coaching standpoint to go, okay, this has happened. You know, they're up here, we're down here, and go and just flip the switch and switch it on them and keep it that way the rest of the game. I really appreciate and admire that ability to flip it like that, you know, within the game, the physicality. So that leads to stopping and handling their run game. So the final stats for Ole Miss running the football. John Rice Plumley, 18 carries, 34 yards total. He averaged less than two yards per carry. And, you know, you got some negative plays in there, too, that are going to affect that. Um, and, and see, for instance, Chance on Twitter says he had no clue Landrews was that fast, and he ran down Plumley several times and set the tone. He did. Okay, so there was a question about spying the quarterback, and there's some of that going on, but I didn't see a defensive scheme where it was just always one particular player who's just – running with Plumley wherever he goes. They were pretty sound in their defensive scheme, but what it was, we pay so much attention to linebackers and safeties like get to the edge, run down Plumley at the sideline for a two-yard gain, you know, or catch him on the edge, don't let him, you know, and you wrap up. The reason those second-level players are able to do that is because they aren't getting blocked very much. And the reason they aren't getting blocked a whole lot, if you're the middle linebacker, if you're outside and you line up in the box, is because the defensive front is winning the physical battle in front of them. There were a lot of times last night where it looked like what Errol Thompson used to play behind last year when Jeffrey Simmons and Sweat and those other seniors, Corey Thomas and Hoyette, were in front of him. 
And so that defensive front last night was the key to the whole defensive effort because very seldom were they getting blown up and knocked back. Were they getting eat up in uh, the zone blocking scheme and guys easily getting to the next level as they combo up to linebackers, which you do a lot in a zone run scheme. Now, there were a few times, too, when Ole Miss had the scoring drives to to come back and make it 14-14. They're down 14-zip to come back and make it 14-14. There was a few times where uh, they'd go two tight ends. Remember that? Like the double hip tight ends. So they're tight end personnel, two of them, but they're not on the line of scrimmage. They're just behind the tackle, basically in the backfield, but side by side, two to one side. And they had some success then with that, running to it in different ways and getting their speed to the edge. One time it might be off a read and the quarterback keeps it and runs out that way. Another time they ran a speed sweep that way or try to run a reverse that way, go into the two tight end side, and you remember there was a there were some plays in the game where then they tried to play action off of that to the two tight ends and throw it to them. One of those is when Willie Gay jumps up and bats the ball down. That was a formation and a scheme where they adjusted and started to have a little success with it. And State had to then figure out ways to adjust. Well, if you adjust and you're running, they started running down run plays outside the tackles, right? So you mentioned Landrews, you mentioned Willie Gay. How many times did you see them? skate to the outside and either take on a block or take the right angle out on the edge or out in space, way off the the offensive tackle. So outside the tackles, and they're running down run plays out on the outside. Well, then wouldn't you think, okay, well, the natural way of thinking is if they're leaning towards um, and they're playing towards running outside to stop outside run plays, then we're going to find room to run inside. Did Ole Miss ever find room to run inside? No. Jerion Ely, 15 carries, 82 yards. Uh, Snoop Connor, 11 carries, 31 yards. They never really got a bunch of gash plays in the middle because the defensive front kept whipping their offensive line for the most part throughout that game. I just feel like, the yes, they played well at all levels and tackled well out on the edge, but I thought the way that defensive front played was the key that started the car for them defensively. Uh, what's your thoughts on the coaching staff and the state of the program? You know, um, they have. They would tell you uh, there's a whole bunch of things they've got to do better. Special teams have got to have a complete revamp and be better from start to finish. Strength and conditioning, they've got to take a different approach in the offseason there. Being ready to start games, got to do better. Game management within the game, they can do a lot better. But you sure do like working on those things and trying to answer those questions after beating somebody as opposed to the other way around. You know, in terms of coaching staff going forward, I don't really get into it um, whether or not uh, someone should be fired or shouldn't be fired. Uh, who should come and replace them? I don't get into that stuff until it becomes fact. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of my time. I think it's a waste of time to do a whole bunch of hypotheticals, and especially when that's what everybody else in the world is doing, even people who know nothing about the situation will spend all their time on hypotheticals. They think that's what you want to hear. And so you can go to them for that and you just come to me for other stuff. Um, a couple other things. Okay, the key that started the car for State offensively, Kylan Hill. Now, it's behind that offensive line, yes, and they played really well, um, You know, especially in the run game, especially after the way they started, three and out. And on the sideline, Jay Perry told us on our broadcast that Offensive line coach Marcus Johnson really challenged and kind of got into his offensive lineman after that initial series and said, man, they whipped you. 
they just absolutely whipped you. And it's up to you to figure that out and play a little better. Look, I just realized I'm looking at the video shot you're seeing, and it looks like the receiver is hiking his leg on me. <laughs> it's probably apropos. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, you know, it's um, – well, i tell you what. I'm going to talk about that next, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with you here on the live show. But since I have not glanced at enough of my Facebook comments, let me do that right now. I, I'm going to go back to uh, – Neil mentioned the face mask, so I'm going to pick it up right there. Uh, Billy says, what is your feeling on what bowl we will get to go to? Um, I think it will be drivable. You won't have to fly. I just don't know which or where. Uh, I would absolutely openly root for Nashville. I would love to go there. I'd love to go to Memphis. Nashville would be great just selfishly because I want to go on some of those Nashville tours with Neil Price because he could give the tours. Uh, where does that game land historically? Uh, it'll always be remembered for sure. It'll always be remembered. As compared to some that you don't remember as much, this one is this has a moment you'll always remember. Norman, uh, okay, I carry I, I covered that about Plumley. Uh, Brom State's defense did what LSU's defense couldn't last week, and that was containing Plumley. That game was a little different in that LSU was so good offensively, there was no way Ole Miss was going to stop them. They knew it; they could score seventy if they wanted to, so they kind of let the foot off their gas there for LSU. But it does give you an indication, right, that LSU. They're not this be-all-end-all complete team that everybody thinks they are. They are so good on offense. They may win it all, but they could also play in Ohio State and give up 60 points quick. John says, Vegas had the game and State favored with a one-point spread. Brock says, Matt, what was uh, Mississippi doing to get so much pressure when we tried to throw? They're very active. They... I credit them and their coaches for no figuring out something they could, you know, hopefully do, because they have been really bad in their secondary against the pass, and so in order to defend people in the pass game, they just have to get pressure. They and they have some smaller, faster players in their defensive front. One thing is Benito Jones draws a lot of attention on the inside. It helps them get off the edge a little bit. They've done some blitzing because they know they can't cover. So they hung their hat on pressuring opposing quarterbacks. They did it all year. Coming into last night's game, Ole Miss, in conference-only stats, Ole Miss was second in the SEC in sacks, 17. Only Florida and one other team had 20. So they got the quarterbacks. They just couldn't stop anybody in their secondary. So that's just kind of their MO. You knew they're going to pressure you. It's what they do. Ian says, um, what about the timeout Moorhead called in the fourth quarter right after we intercepted the ball? Without that timeout, the game would have been over. Um, Ian, I, I don't have the recollection of that that I should. Hey, you're talking about the um, Marcus Murphy interception? Here, listen. Here's some plays from the game. Neil Price on the call uh, from Learfield IMG. I was in a booth with him. Listen to these. First and 10 for State at the Ole Miss 27 as play resumes. Handoff Gibson, right side, has room 20. Gibson to the 10, he's gone to the barn. Touchdown, Nick Gibson and the Bulldogs go in front. Hill left of Schrader in the shotgun. A play fake, Schrader around left end, untouched into the end zone. Touchdown, Garrett Schrader, his first in the battle for the Golden Egg. 
Corral claps his hands and calls for the ball. Three-step drop, looking left, pumps once, fires, intercepted by State at the five-yard line. It's Marcus Murphy who makes the play along the right boundary. Well, we said Marcus Murphy was back in the ballgame, and boy, was he ever. Great job. Corral thought he had his space, and maybe if he throws it a little quicker, he might have that space. But no, Marcus Murphy did an excellent job of breaking on the ball, guys. Look, he's there yanking Marcus Murphy off the field. He's fired up. He ran down to the 20 at the other end with some of his teammates, and the staff didn't want to risk getting an unsportsmanlike penalty, so they pulled him off the field, and it took two or three of them to get him to the bench. Logan has missed two extra points this year. This is a 35-yarder. Snap is down. Kick is away. I think he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. He missed it wide right. Elijah Moore, there are flags everywhere because the whole state team has run on the field. Schrader takes the knee. And in the immortal words of the iconic Jack Crystal, you can wrap this one in maroon and white. The egg stays in Starkville, and the Bulldogs are hunting for it. Racing in the end zone down to our left. There it is as they hoist it in the northwest corner of the end zone. State hangs on to win by one, 21-20 over Ole Miss in the 92nd battle for the Golden Egg. So there you go, some of the highlights from Neil Price and Jay Perry. Uh, and I had a woo in there at some point <laughs> during those highlights as well. I don't get in the highlights very much, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, but there you go, uh, some of those calls. Jay, hey to you over here on Twitter Periscope. Uh, those calls getting some people fired up. Brooks, there you go. Again, thanks to Mississippi Land Bank for supporting me and supporting uh, content that for you – Gives you what you want as a Mississippian, whoever you root for. People like uh, companies like Mississippi Land Bank, you know, it's not because they just like Matt and want to sponsor, you know, some of the content that we do here, podcasts and live shows. It's not as if they want to do it. It's that they want to support it so that you have it. You know, yes, you're potential customers, but they want to be involved with what you want to be involved with. And that's content like this where we talk about a game. Uh, that you paid attention to. So just can't say thanks to Mississippi Land Bank enough. Wayman on Facebook says, sideline to sideline, our defense was really good, no doubt. Uh, one of their best tackling games. Matt says best tackling all season. Beverly said, I'm so proud of this team. I, could listen to the Nas- I couldn't listen to the national broadcasters. I loved listening to you and Neil. Your insights make the game fun for me. Let me tell you, Beverly, this is not a me trying to be mean thing, but let me just tell you this. When it comes to our team, nobody will do or does do a better job than we do of accurately um, covering our team. Nobody does a better job of describing for you what's going on in the game than we do. We focus on the game. Our broadcast is never about Neil or Matt or Jay. And that's one of the things I'm most confident about and most proud of is that when you listen to our version of the game, you get the information accurately and on time. If Neil tells you something happened, it happened. And in the right time, I tell you what happened. 
Now, I'll tell you if it's a good call or a bad call. Jay's telling you things that are going on in the sideline that nobody else has that um, vantage point. And so I confidently tell you, we are the best at covering our team. And so I'm glad you tuned in. Ronnie says, sorry for jumping ahead, but what was the roughing the pass or referee huddling pass interference at the end? On uh, the what was the potential game tying drive, they called some penalties that were questionable. Now, the pass interference against um, uh, Brian Cole towards the end, it's a bang-bang play. I didn't think it was pass interference or warranted it. I thought we actually got away with one earlier on a deflection from Cam Dantzler. I thought official actually probably missed that. Dancer, I think, hooked him around his back and knocked it away, and normally they call that. Um, what you need, Mary? You looking for something? Your your book? It's right there. Okay. Um, I thought they missed that one. So I thought they could have let the one on Brian Cole go, and nobody, you know, questions it. The one that definitely should not have been called was the roughing the passer. It just wasn't roughing the passer. It's a guy making a play on the ball. Um even if he doesn't make a play on the ball, he's jumping to bat the pass down. Even if he's not doing that, even if he doesn't bat it, still the contact even didn't warrant roughing the passer. It was just a completely bogus. It sh- you should never call that. It was just a blown situation right there. I think that's why Hubert Owens, the head official, talked to him so long about the call. is because I think Hubert knows it's not roughing the passer. But he can't just overrule the guy and say we're not calling it. If the guy says it's you know he's got to call it, so it's an example to me of a guy calling football games who doesn't understand a whole lot about how the game is played. He may know the rules and what to look for, but he doesn't really understand the rules and how the game is played, and I think that's one that should not have been called. Lynn contained the edge as well, no doubt. Lynn also said he liked what Moore had said in the postgame. Uh, Will, the coaching at the five-minute mark was terrible, literally gave the ball back to Ole Miss, and then we have to kick to them in the third quarter. Well, that was a game management deal there, a time management deal that got away from a little bit, sure. And I will tell you this. Some, I, I, I've talked about this before, but I think sometimes head coaches who are play callers sometimes struggle with that more than others because their nose is down, looking at down a distance, thinking about offense-defense scheme, personnel-personnel matchup. i got to get this play called, this play called, because we're trying to go score. And offensive coaches by nature are aggressive. We, we're not even really a lot of times thinking about going conservative to burn clock. We're just thinking about how do we score? So I think that's why, like a Mullen, he was a play caller. A Moorhead, he's a play caller. Sometimes you need a voice in your ear to say, hey, 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 we need to waste time right here, and here's why. And that was that situation. Um, you ran a ball to midfield, th- uh, three straight incompletions, give it back to them with four minutes and 30 seconds left until half, knowing they are going to get it to start the third quarter. So even if you give it back to him, but you just burn a lot of clock in the process, it makes it harder. And as it turned out, they scored, tied the game with 34 seconds left on the first half clock. So if you go transitive, which doesn't always work out that way, everything affects everything. But if you go transitive, you could say you could have very easily burned 34 seconds just by taking your time and not snapping it early in the play clock each time or running the ball and let the clock run. So, yeah, I mean, there's certain things, but every staff, every game, every season, you can find things on game management where we can always do it different. It's harder uh, when you've got the headset on, you're thinking about 8 million things versus we're sitting up in the press box. It's the only thing i got to worry about because I'm not calling plays. Um, lots of great comments on Facebook. I'm going to get down here. 
Great atmosphere, John. Uh, yes, there was a great atmosphere. It took them a while to get in there because everybody got log jammed at the metal detectors getting in. And so at the beginning of the game, you're like, oh, boy, we don't have a full crowd. And then by the time State was up 7-zip, it's like the whole thing had filled up. Uh, so that worked out. I agree, Rob. Neil is very good. Uh, Buddy says, Matt, do you believe, do you think uh, Cotton Hill comes back for his senior year or turns pro? I would imagine he goes. If, you know, if he's getting that second-round grade and he knows somebody's going to take him, if you're a running back, you have to go. Yeah, much less of a shelf life at running back, I believe. I'd love to have him back, but I doubt it. Lynn says, the worst roughing call I've ever seen. <laughs> and Denise says, is there a way to sync the radio and television broadcasts? Yes, there is a way to do that. There's an online service. I'll see if I can find it and get that out there for you. But there are ads. I think it's called Sync My Game. And there are ads running for it on our broadcast. Okay. And so without um, getting in the weeds, I'm going to leave you with this. <clears throat> because this is, we've talked about a lot of stuff that aren't, people aren't talking about, you know, in, in the regional national aspect of this thing. Everybody's talking about that right there. That's what they're talking about right, right there. And that is the hiked leg after the touchdown. This is really clear. You know, it's not waxing poetic or prophetic to kind of go into how all this ties in with culture and all that because it really is on the surface very obvious for anyone with a brain. And that is, that was a deal last night where a selfish player, well, let me take that back. He may not be a selfish player, but a selfish act by a player effectively took away his chance, his team's chance of winning the game. And it absolutely could have been prevented. And it absolutely is a derivative of culture. So two years ago, 2017, same time, same game, same stadium, an Ole Miss player did it. That was D.K. Metcalf. Back of the end zone scores, hikes his leg like a dog. National television. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing really for anybody from around here, but whether he or any of them realized it or not, because they thought it was cute because they were winning the game, my dad has this saying, sometimes it looks like you're winning when you're really losing, and sometimes it looks like you're losing when you're really winning. So because you're winning the game, it looks like it's cute. You actually get high fives for it in 2017. But whether they realized it or not, it was an embarrassment to him, the player, to his family, whether they realized it or not, to his team, to the, his school, to the colors, to the university, and to the fan base, whether they realized it or not. And when you're winning a game, nobody cares, I guess, enough to make a big deal out of it. But it absolutely is a selfish act that should every time be punishable. And with the great coaches in history and great teams in history, it would never, ever have flown. But it was okay back then. And even from a coaching staff, they didn't punish a player. I guess they couldn't. You know, they high-five him, tell him good job. It was cute. It was really cute. And so you let it fly. You let it go. And now 
the dividends that paid on that were because of the example that was set by DK Metcalf two years ago that a young player now thinks that it's okay to do it. Elijah Moore is a good football player. Now, he is going to be a good one. And Matt Luke said after the game he's a good kid. And we got to take his word for it. And Matt's not a bad guy either. you got to take his word for it. He's a good kid. He made a mistake, a dumb decision. But do you know the reason that he made that dumb decision is because he's allowed to. And the reason he made the decision to do that is because he was following the example that was set before him. And they let it fly. And that, boys and girls, is an indication of culture. And the culture in any program, in any family, in any church, in any business, is directly directly related to the way things are handled from the top down. And when you let certain things go, and when you let certain things fly, then people acquiesce to that. And they let it fly two years ago because they thought it was cute because they were winning a game. And now a young player is following the example of an older player who he probably admires, who signed you know, a big contract, making a lot of money, and is very famous. He followed that example. But it was a bad example. And by allowing that culture of a bad example to be celebrated and to live, and by not handling it in the culture that you have with young players, now the, now the check has been written and handed over. And what I said last night is so often the game will give you what you deserve. You know, what you put into it. I don't care who you are, where you're from, how much your family makes, how highly recruited you were, what color your skin is. The game cares nothing about any of that. You'll get, according to the game, what you earn. You'll get what you deserve. And last night... I felt like both sidelines got what they deserved at the end of that game. And afterwards, I disagreed with something that Matt Luke said when he said that's not who we are. And I thought, well, it wouldn't be if it was the only time it had ever happened. It's just that this time it cost you the game. Therefore, this time it's not who you are. Therefore, this time we're not going to chest bump over it because it cost us the game. I appreciate everybody listening and everybody watching. And thank you again to Mississippi Land Bank for sponsoring this podcast and this live show. MSLandBank.com. One final send-off. Anything land-related. Buying, selling, searching, wondering farmland, hunting land, recreational property, building a dream home, start in North Mississippi with Mississippi Land Bank. And I'll see you next time.